expert is a brief, informative, engaging, and lively discussion with the cutting edge science and advancements in type 1 diabetes research. And it's a new style of communication. It's sort of more of a town hall than a lecture. And, um, you know, we, uh, we have the distinct pleasure of welcoming um, Dr. Abhishek Kulkarni. He's a postdoc at University of Chicago today, and he's going to be talking about 12-LOX, a critical enzyme in the initiation and progression of type 1 diabetes. Um, Dr. Lulkani is a postdoctoral scholar in Dr. Mir Mira's lab, and he completed his BS and MS in biotechnology from Mumbai University in India. He moved to the U.S. for higher education and completed his PhD in biochemistry from Indiana University. He joined uh, Dr. Mermira's lab for the postdoc in June 2020. In uh, this lab, he studied the role of 12 uh, lipooxygenase pathway and the polyamines pathway in type 1 diabetes pathogenesis. He's used a lot using the strengths of different model systems, ranging from cells to zebrafish to mice to human tissues. Um, so that's a wide uh, scope to identify novel therapeutic targets for treating type 1 diabetes. And amazingly, these studies have yielded eight publications so far. That's excellent and amazing. <laughs> For these studies, he's, he's received the DeVault Fellowship as well as the uh, Diabetes Research Connection or DRC grant. So congratulations on both those accounts. Thank um, you. And welcome. And you know, do you want to just start right in uh, sharing your slides and, sure. and talking about uh, what's going on in the laboratory? Yes. So first and foremost, I would like to Thank you for inviting me uh, to give a talk. It's an absolute pleasure to share our research work with you. So today I'm going to talk about one of the research projects in which we studied the role of a lipid metabolizing enzyme known as 12-lipoxygenase in the context of type 1 diabetes pathogenesis. Now type 1 diabetes pathogenesis was traditionally thought of as a disease of a deranged immune system, specifically the adaptive immune cells. But recent literature from our lab, as well as others, suggests that it begins within the islets and the beta cells. Due to some genetic or environmental factors, which could include the pro-inflammatory macrophages, there is induction of inflammation in these islet beta cells. Due to activation of inflammation in the beta cells, it promotes oxidative as well as ER stress, leading to misfolding of proteins, post-translational modifications, as well as generation of neoantigens. When these neoantigens are released from these beta cells, it activates the autoimmune response, leading to destruction of the pancreatic beta cells, ultimately leading to hyperglycemia. So our lab is interested in identifying and studying these pathways that contribute to inflammation in type 1 diabetes pathogenesis. So one such pathways that we are thoroughly interested is this 12-lipoxygenase or the 12-LOX pathway. So 12-LOX, as I mentioned earlier, is a lipid metabolizing enzyme. Specifically, it catalyzes the oxygenation of different polyunsaturated fatty acids. So one of the substrates of 12-LOX is arachidonic acid, which is released from the cellular membrane by the action of phospholipases. Interestingly, the activity of both these enzymes, 12-LOX and phospholipases, is enhanced in conditions of inflammation. So when 12-LOX acts on arachidonic acid, it leads to generation of a pro-inflammatory eicosanoid product known as 12-hydroxy eicosatetraenoic acid, or simply we call it 12 heat. 
both 12 locks and 12 heat signaling is known to contribute to inflammation in a variety of tissues, including the pancreatic islets. And the proposed mechanisms include production of chemokines, generation of oxidative as well as ER stress, as well as activation of signaling pathways of inflammation. So coming specifically to type 1 diabetes pathogenesis, a study by Dr. Jerry Nadler's group suggests that the expression of 12 locks is increased in the islets from pre-type 1 diabetic autoantibody positive donors, as well as type 1 diabetic donors. Although these, uh, these findings are interesting, one of the caveats of such static imaging is that it's difficult to interpret whether this increased expression is a cause or consequence of the disease. So to study the role of 12 lipoxygenase in more details that to in a physiological context, we have resorted to the most widely used mouse model of type 1 diabetes pathogenesis, the non-obese diabetic mice or the NOD mice. The NOD mice are known to develop spontaneous diabetes and that is characterized by insulitis or immune cell infiltration to destroy the islets a characteristic similar to what happens in human type 1 diabetes. So what we have shown earlier is that depletion of 12 locks, a whole body deletion of 12 locks is shown to protect these mice, both males and females from diabetes development. As you can see, this striking protection suggests that 12 locks definitely has some critical role in type 1 diabetes pathogenesis. But again, one of the caveats of a whole body deletion of 12 locks or whole body deletion is that it's difficult to parse the cell specific role of this enzyme. So that's when we decided to take this step forward and start going for studying cell specific role of this enzyme in context of type 1 diabetes pathogenesis. So as I mentioned in the introduction that during the initial stages of T1D pathogenesis, the two major cell types that interact are the myeloid cells known as the macrophages as well as the beta cells. So we decided to study the role of 12 locks in these individual cell types that to in type 1 diabetes context. To do that, we generated myeloid cell specific knockout of 12 locks on the NOD background as well as beta cell specific knockout of 12 locks on the NOD background. Henceforth, we will refer these mice as delta myeloid mice or delta beta mice. Now, in the interest of time, I would only give you the major highlights of this published story with the myeloid cell specific knockout and then uh, turn my attention to our beta cell specific knockouts. This study is currently in revision in uh, cell reports. So first, uh, for developing this delta myeloid mice, we crossed 12 locks floxed mice on the NOD background with the lysem crease, thus making it myeloid cell specific knockouts of 12 locks. And then the two major findings from these studies were that first, we observed that even these mice showed striking protection from diabetes development in either sexes of the mice, either males or females, as compared to their Cree positive or floxed controls. Now, these findings are similar to what we see with a global knockout of 12 locks, suggesting that the cell specific role of 12 locks in the myeloid cells also has a 
significant impact on T1D pathogenesis, at least in the NOD mice. The second major uh, finding from this study was that when you delete 12 locks from these myeloid cells, it significantly impairs their ability to migrate. So then when, uh, we went ahead and did some mechanistic studies and also looked at insulitis and other islet studies. And we uh, found that 12 locks regulates myeloid cell migration by regulating the levels of a chemokine receptor known as CXCR3 on these cells. Due to this enhanced activation of this chemokine receptor, these macrophages or myeloid cells can migrate in large numbers to the islets and can cause islet damage by release of pro-inflammatory cytokines. On the other side, they can even migrate to the nearby pancreatic lymph nodes and amplify the activation of the effector adaptive immune cells leading to enhanced insulitis. But, oops, yeah. When we delete 12 locks, there is reduced levels of CXCR3 in these myeloid cells, which impairs their migration. And hence we see reduced insulitis and protection from diabetes pathogenesis. So clearly one of the major outcomes from this study is that myeloid cell specific 12 locks has definite roles in T1D pathogenesis. And uh, another interesting part of this story was that this is the first time to our knowledge anyone has shown that a deletion of a specific enzyme in a non-endocrine cell population can still have an impact on diabetes pathogenesis. But the main question is, is 12-LOX only active in the myeloid cells or is there uh, another role for this enzyme in other cell type as well? So that's what the main topic of today's talk is. Is 12-LOX pathogenic in the islet beta cells, which are the major victims of type 1 diabetes pathogenesis? So for Answer the, as answering this, we generated different animal models. First, we generated uh, beta cell specific 12 locks knockout mice. For a human context, we also performed studies with human islets as well as endpot tissue samples from generous donors. And with translational interests in mind, we also developed humanized mouse model. I will go through each of these models one by one in the upcoming slides. So first to generate a beta cell specific 12 locks knockout, we crossed 12 locks floxed mice on the NOD background with PDX-PV-CRE-ER, thus making it a tamoxifen inducible knockout. So after generation of this delta beta mice on the NOD background, we admin administered them with tamoxifen at six weeks of age, which is the age where the the mice already exhibit insulitis, but they still are not hyperglycemic. So after generating this, these mice and the knockouts, we performed multiple studies to characterize the role of 12 locks in the islet beta cells. First and foremost, we followed these mice for 25 weeks for diabetes incidence. And again, irrespective of whether they were males or females, the delta beta mice exhibited significant protection from diabetes development as compared to their pre-positive as well as floxed controls. Irrespective of their sex, there was more than 80% protection from diabetes development. So we were really excited by this outcome. Uh, and hence we wanted to delve deeper into what's happening to these islets. So we analyzed the pancreatic sections from these controls and the delta beta mice 
for encephalitis and we observed that the cre positive controls exhibited severe encephalitis as marked by t and b cells in this picture while the delta beta mice demonstrated significant protection from this encephalitis and this this was a really drastic difference in their encephalitis pattern this data was even confirmed when we assessed the draining pancreatic lymph nodes and what we observed was that there was a general reduction in all the immune cell populations but the significant differences were higher in the populations that included pro inflammatory macrophages dendritic cells cytotoxic cd8 positive t cells pro inflammatory th1 and th17 cells as well as regulatory t cells suggesting that there was an overall suppression of an autoimmune response in these mice so what this experiment told us was that 12 log signaling promotes encephalitis and type 1 diabetes in these nod mice but then the question was how exactly does 12 log regulate this so to delve deeper into the mechanisms of 12 log activity we isolated the islets from the cre positive controls and the delta beta mice and subjected them to single cell rna sequencing so one of the most prominent effects of this delta beta mice we saw was that there was enhanced expression of cd274 in all the beta cell populations of the delta beta mice as compared to cre positive controls cd274 encodes for pdl1 pdl1 is a immune checkpoint protein that is known to suppress the immune responses and that could be the reason why these mice are protected from diabetes or encephalitis we saw a similar pattern of expression with stat1 which is an upstream regulator of pdl1 we confirmed these findings from the rna to the protein level by performing immunostaining of pdl1 in uh, in the islets from delta beta mice and pre positive controls and again observed that there was significantly higher expression of pdl1 in the islets of, from delta beta mice so as a form of rescue experiment we then treated these delta beta mice with a pdl1 antibody it's also known as checkpoint inhibitor and then monitored these mice for diabetes now if you remember these mice were significantly protected from diabetes for over 25 weeks of age but as soon as they were administered with pdl1 antibody within a week they exhibited severe hyperglycemia and this effect was concurrent with a very high encephalitis in the islets so this experiment told us that 12 log signaling promotes encephalitis via inhibition of pdl1 but then we wanted to know how exactly this 12 log mediated inflammatory signaling affects the pdl1 levels in type 1 diabetes pathogenesis so in that con in that context i would like to highlight a recent study from dr evans molina's group at indiana university in collaboration of uh, in collaboration with our lab they demonstrated that treatment of human islets with pro inflammatory cytokines induces inflammation and then they analyzed the alternatively spliced mrnas so after doing bioinformatic analysis they listed down the pathways that were altered with this treatment 
and some of the major pathways included translation transport of the proteins assembly of stress granules as well as antigen processing and presentation these all pathways are hallmarks of activation of integrated stress response so what exactly is integrated stress response it is a cellular response to different kinds of stress that leads to activation of various protein kinases which all merge upon the phosphorylation of a translation initiation factor known as eif2 alpha now there are several downstream effects of eif2 phosphorylation but two major ones being inhibition of global translation as well as formation of stress granules and g3bp1 is a marker of stress granule formation so we hypothesize that this 12 lox mediated inflammatory signaling in the beta cells activates integrated stress response and to test this hypothesis we assessed the levels of isr markers in the islets of the delta beta mice as well as cre positive controls abiding by our hypothesis we observed that the delta beta mice exhibited significantly lower expression of isr markers as compared to the cre positive controls suggesting that there could be enhanced isr mediated by 12 lox signaling with respect to integrated stress response and type 1 diabetes pathogenesis in the context of human studies a study by dr farooq sayed in collaboration with our lab has suggested that in pre type 1 diabetic autoantibody positive donors there is enhanced co-staining of g3bp1 which are the markers of stress granules with insulin mrna suggesting that before the onset of type 1 diabetes these islets are could be subjected to integrated stress response so to take this study forward in the human context and also find this mechanistic link between 12 lox activate 12 lox isr activation and pdl1 we then resorted to human islets we obtained human islets from generous non diabetic donors and then we performed in vitro experiments wherein we treated them with only cytokines or cytokines in the presence of vlx1005 which is a human 12 lox inhibitor or cytokines in presence of esrib which is an integrated stress response inhibitor after these treatments we analyze the levels of pdl1 we observed that treatment of human islets with cytokines induces pdl1 expression and this has been previously established what was interesting was that when human islets were co-treated with cytokines along with either 12 lox inhibitor or integrated stress response inhibitor the levels of pdl1 enhanced even more as you can see by the graph over here overall suggesting that 12 lox inhibits pdl1 levels likely through the activation of integrated stress response finally with translational interests in mind we then decided to generate humanized 12 lox mice and we generated them by replacing the human 12 or the mouse 12 lox gene with the human 12 lox keeping the mouse uh, uh, elements intact after generation of these uh, humanized 12 lox mice we subjected them to different models of diabetes they were either treated with streptozotocin 
which is a beta cell toxin that induces hyperglycemia or they were back crossed to the NOD background, which I have described before is a model of autoimmune diabetes. In either case, they were then treated with the human 12 LOX inhibitor VLX1005, and then they were monitored from, for diabetes development. So first with the STZ streptozotocin studies, we observed that in the controls, there was this expected induction of hyperglycemia. However, when the humanized 12 LOX mice were treated with VLX, it protected the mice from diabetes development. A similar protective effect was also seen in our humanized NOD mice, wherein administration of VLX1005 delayed diabetes development. These studies are clearly at uh, initial stages at this point, and we are doing many more optimization uh, and characterization studies with the drug and different mouse models. And, but overall, these preliminary data suggest a potential therapeutic uh, effect of 12 locks in future diabetes care. So overall, uh, to summarize my talk today, I would like to uh, bring this introductory uh, slide with, with our proposed model of type 1 diabetes. So where does 12 locks play a role in, this, in these scheme of things? So as I briefly described earlier, we showed that enhanced 12 locks activity promotes pro-inflammatory macrophage activity, and that can have a significant impact on the events that follow after that. Previously, we have also shown that higher 12 locks activity promotes oxidative as well as ER stress in the islet cells. In this particular study, with a beta cell specific knockout of 12 locks, we show that there is induction of integrated stress response in the beta cells. And this in turn suppresses PDL1 levels. Due to suppress PDL1, it further promotes autoimmunity, leading to destruction of the beta cells. With that, I would like to thank all the members of the Mirmira lab, especially Dr. Raghu Mirmira and Dr. Sarah Tursi, under whose guidance all these studies were performed. Special thanks to Dr. Annie Pinheiros, who spearheaded the, the beta cell 12 log study. Also thanks to Dr. Fei Huang, who performed those beautiful Western blots uh, with the human islets. I would also like to thank all our collaborators from different institutes and universities. And last but not the least, all the funding agencies, as well as the generous donors and their families, without whose support, these studies would have not been possible. With that, I will be happy to take any questions. Abhishek, that is really some beautiful work. Um, just you. amazing. And uh, I, I mean, I, I have a couple of questions and hopefully the audience will also have some questions. Feel free to drop something in the chat or just raise your hand. Um, this, uh, this is so interesting. I wanted to ask you, you know, with VLX1005, you know, that's a human um, 12 locks inhibitor. Is that used in, um, you know, as a medicine uh, in the clinic at all? Or is that, is this an experimental drug? It's an experimental drug at this um, point. Yeah. At this point. Yeah. And mm -hmm. then does it have a, does it have a global effect? 
um, or is it very specific to the cells we were, you were talking about? No. Uh, so the drug has a global effect. Mm-hmm. But recently we reviewed uh, an article on 12 locks and we uh, reviewed the article where we discussed that 12 locks is involved in inflammation and inflammatory signaling in a variety of tissues, right from uh, the pancreatic beta cells and macrophages to all the other major metabolic tissues, including liver, brain, in fact, um, as well as kidneys and other organs as well. So overall, we feel that if we administer this this drug, so our initial studies show that it doesn't have a lot of toxic effects at this stage. Yeah. Uh, but overall, there is a reduced inflammatory profile in these mice overall. Well, probably a good thing, correct? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so that's great. Yes. Okay. I wondered, um, you know, uh, what might let's if we back up to the beginning, sort of, sure. what are your thoughts on the trigger of the 12 locks pathogenesis in both you know, I mean, is there any, have you, have you looked back beyond that? Um, you know, the, the, the 12 locks pathogenesis into the triggering. I mean, so mean I, I mean, a lot of people are looking at it, right. Of course, but I mean, right. what in, in your, in context of your models. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, the two major factors that enhance the activity of 12 locks are inflammation and oxidative stress. So it goes back and forth. So we don't know whether 12 locks is the, it's chicken and egg. We don't know whether 12 locks is the initiator of inflammation or whether inflammation is, uh, inflammation initiates 12 locks activity or exacerbates. And there are reports that both ways, this induction of inflammation and activation of 12 locks is possible. So it's still a great question and we are trying to address that. But at this stage, yeah, that that's all answer I have. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's enough that you've sort of elucidated this pathway, but I'm just sort of curious. I was just curious as to whether you guys have thought past into the back background. Obviously, you've got the viral triggers that have been brought forward and, you know, other triggers. But, um, you know, you. I also am curious as to what are your thoughts about the 12 locks pathogenesis in context of the prodrome, right, of the human prodrome, because it's it's, it's almost like it's toggling, you know, the, the inflammation is maybe toggling on and off throughout the program prodrome. You know, you've got first a presentation of one autoantibody, then a second, and then a progression to, to the full blown diabetes. So in context of that, like, is there any evidence that the 12 locks kind of is increasing, decreasing across that scope? So at this stage, that's a great question, first of all, and that's a great area where we can take this study forward into. But at this stage, we haven't explored that. But I think overall, what we what we observe that, so Dr. Fei Wang, he is also doing some exosome studies from the beta cells. Right. And at this stage, uh, it's still preliminary, but we see that when we downregulate 12 locks levels, first of all, there is either reduced secretion of exosomes, or even if the exosomes are released, there is reduced uh, expression of pro-inflammatory mediators in that. So, uh, I mean, to, uh, I, I'm, I don't know whether I have answered your question, but I think uh, that's, that's where we 
think the 12 locks is playing a role uh, somehow in this exosome release as well. Uh, but at this point, the studies are preliminary and we still need to investigate further. Yeah, no, that's really interesting. I'd be very um, curious to, I'll, I'll look at some of those papers from his lab if they're out or as they come out. Yes. Um, and then like, just can you think of any other diseases uh, or other contexts where 12 lock signaling promotes other diseases? Oh, yes. So it has been shown to promote uh, uh, non-alcoholic steatohepatitis. Um, uh, then uh, it, it, so 12 locks has been widely studied in cancers. So mm -hmm. it is known to promote uh, the tumor metastasis as well as all the related inflammatory signaling. And it's, it's surprising that in the context of cancer, there is increased anti-inflammatory or tumor promoting macrophages with 12 locks. So in other diseases, we see 12 locks as a pro-inflammatory role in the macrophages. So it's, it's very exciting, but uh, yeah. yes. And then it has also been shown to promote renal inflammation. And that's why we see in diabetic kidneys, there is higher uh, inflammation as well as higher 12 locks levels. Yeah, cases. that fits the story perfectly, yes. actually. Mm -hmm. the phenotype. Um, here's a question from the chat. Is the vision for this potential treatment option to be prevention of T1D or the treatment of established T1D or both? So the ideal uh, outcome would be both. Uh, but at this point, with an inducible knockout, what we showed uh, in our D, uh, beta cell inducible knockout, we showed that we started treatment or started the knockdown of the drug or knocked out of the knockdown of the enzyme after initiation of insulitis. So in other words, we started their downregulation before we had lost the beta cell mass, but after the insulitis had begun. So we did that with an aim of using this as a treatment after the initiation of diabetic events, but definitely we have multiple studies with multiple models where we have shown that it's preventive as well. So we have shown that plenty of times, but this was the first time that we tried this avenue where we wanted to start the disease first and then try to knock it down. And we still see a significant protection from uh, diabetes pathogenesis. Um, so I guess I have to ask the million dollar question. So when do clinical trials begin? <laughs> As I said, we are still characterizing the drugs and we still want to make sure that it's not toxic. Uh, so yeah, it's still very much at the preclinical stage and hopefully soon uh, we will start those. Yeah, fantastic. Um, very cautious, of course, is, uh, that's very important. Uh, there's another question uh, from uh, Dr. Wang. Great presentation. I'm wondering if you've checked the expression of PDL1 and PDL one expressions in islet infiltrated T cells um, in those 12 locks uh, knockout animal models? Yes, so what I have not shown in this study is we also performed CYTOF studies on the pancreatic lymph nodes uh, and uh, cells where we don't see uh, enhanced PDL1 in the T cells, but we definitely see them enhanced in the myeloid or antigen presenting cells we see enhanced expression of that. We, uh, although we have looked at uh, PD-1 levels, uh, they seem 
I, if I remember correctly, there wasn't any major difference in the PD-1 levels in the infiltrating T cells. But another point to note over here is that we overall observed a reduction in the infiltration of these pro-inflammatory immune cells. So I think there is a, a gap between the signal transduction because of this 12 locks knockout. That's what we think. Yeah, yeah, that sounds right. Um, we're almost at, he said, thank you. Um, we're almost at the end of our time. I did want to just quickly ask a one final question. Sure. You know, Anil Bouchon at UCSF and Peter Thompson at Manitoba, they both have, um, you know, some work around this idea of the hypothesis of senescence that mm -hmm. the beta cells undergo when they're stressed, undergo senescence, um, you know, like some cancer cells do. Yes. And they um, basically go offline. Mm -hmm. I guess if we're thinking about your system and, and kind of overlaying it onto their um, hypothesis and, and their work, mm -hmm. what might happen in that context? Could, you know, this um, administration of the VLX-1005 mm -hmm. have any impact on a senescent cell or could it, you know, just what are your thoughts? So uh, that's a great question. And I have two ways to answer that. So first we, uh, again, I refer back to our Delta beta mice. Uh, when we perform single cell RNA sequencing, uh, we also looked at different uh, genes and different pathways that might be affected. And beta cell senescence uh, wasn't the one that was significantly altered. And overall, when we uh, inhibit this 12 locks, uh, either by downregulation by genetic knockdown or with the VLX, we see that the beta cells are still functioning. Okay. So there is this another idea that uh, when we did a myeloid cell specific uh, knockout of 12 locks, we also showed that the beta cells have the capacity to restore their function by countering stress by themselves. Yeah. But what happens is that these nearby macrophages, when they see something's wrong with the beta cells, they possibly perform premature phagocytosis of the cells even before they get a chance to regain their function. But what we do with potentially with 12 locks uh, inhibition, what we are doing is we are reducing this macrophage activity on one side where it doesn't prematurely phagocytose them on the other hand, we are reducing beta cell stress, and this possibly is uh, leading them to be still functional. So I don't think uh, there would be any major impact on beta cell senescence. If anything, it would it would not lead to beta cell senescence. Yeah, yeah, particularly if you could preempt um, any kind of beta cell dysfunction. Uh, this is really yes. exciting work. I cannot wait to see what your laboratory and your collaborations. Um, bring, you know, bring forward next. So thank you so much for, um, for sharing with us and uh, we'll, we'll remain in touch and we're wishing Definitely. you all the best. Have a great thank rest you so of your much. day. Thank you so much. You too. Take care.